Praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Yes, he is. So there's one more thing I wanted to let you guys know, too. Next um, Sunday, if you're able to, we are, we got a room at the Bear Barrel. And uh, so it has, am I saying it right? Whatever. That place over in Fallen Timbers, the Barrel Place, okay? We're going there again. We went, we went like a, a month ago, and um, it's a lot of fun. Good pizza, uh, great fellowship. The cool thing is the room that, that we have, we can, like, get up and walk around and talk to each other and, and not just, um, yeah, sample off of people's plates. I did that last time. Um, <laughs> so uh, that is next Sunday. So come. Uh, we have the room. Bring your own money for food or, you know, you can sample off of people's plates, whatever, whatever it takes. So it's going to be just a good time to fellowship. We believe that um, church is more than just Sunday mornings. And so we really want to see people get to know one another a little bit more and uh, plug in. So we do have Bible studies at both locations throughout the week. And we plan on starting some some new things and, and stuff in the new year as well that we'll be letting you guys know soon. But um, you know what? We want to see every single person equipped in doing their part to build the kingdom. Amen. So I'm going to open up uh, in prayer. So if you guys don't mind, if you could bow your heads and just get yourselves um, in a place that you're willing and able to just hear God speak to you today, because I know that he wants to speak to you. So Father God, I thank you for your sons and daughters in this place today. God, I thank you that they are here on a Sunday morning because they love you. God, they're not here out of duty. They're here because they want to hear from you. They want you to speak to them. And so, God, I thank you that you meet us at our level of expectation. So, God, I pray that even now you would raise our expectation in this house today. Those who are listening online, that you would raise the expectation, Lord, that you would give them a word, a rhema, on time, right now, word, Lord Jesus. That they would be able to hold it and hide it in their heart. That they would be able to um, have the strength and the grace to be obedient to what you're asking them to do. God, I thank you for opening our ears to what your spirit saying, God, I thank you for giving us discernment that we would know when the enemy is lying and that we would be able to rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus, that we would replace it with your truth, Lord God. God, I thank you that your truth will accomplish what it sets out to do. And so, God, we just proclaim your name, Jesus Christ, over our hearts, over our cities, over our communities, our families, over this message today, over this house today. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we start, we're starting a new series called A Star is Born, and uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus. This is our Christmas series, and the Lord spoke to me with a, a word that I've never had before. I'm going to share just a little tiny little confession with you guys. As a, a, a pastor of 20 years, when it's Christmas and Easter, I don't mind other people preaching that. Some pastors are like, oh, those are my favorite things to preach. And, and they are awesome things. But sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I think I preached that last year or I preached that last. You know what I mean? And sometimes you feel like you're saying the same thing. But um, the Lord gave me fresh, per, fresh perspective um, this year that I want to share with you on Matthew chapter 2. So this is a very familiar um, chapter that you guys have probably heard before. If you've, if you've spent any time in church, you've probably heard this before. If you grew up in church, you definitely heard this before. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read from the NIV today. 
And uh, we're going we're gonna to read um, the majority of this chapter right here. So we're going to start in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look on the screens. And do we have a live event today too? We have a live event. So if you're in version, you could pull up the live event, um, search Vision something or other, Waterville or church, or you'll find it maybe. <laughs> pull it up there. All right, let's read together. Thank you for your word, Lord. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why is all Jerusalem disturbed with him? Let me just give you a, a clue. That's because King Herod was crazy. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about that. But the brother definitely was uh, uh, demonized, we'll say that. Verse 4, it says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them what, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In verse 7 it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw, a child and his aunt, they saw a child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they have been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. Verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take your child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Some verses, some translations say escaped to Egypt. Some say departed to Egypt. Verse 15, where he stayed until Herod, the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted, say outwitted. By the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel reaping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Whew, friends, this passage is so powerful. Just within this passage, we see three prophecies um, fulfilled. That's how powerful this passage is. 
But there is a lot of insight, in, and, and I, like I said, have, have preached this passage. Pastor Josh has many times. We could talk about the Magi, the, who are in other translations are called wise men, how very likely um, they were trained under people who were trained under people who were trained under Daniel, and that's where they most likely came from. Um, we could talk about the, the gifts and the value of the gifts. We could talk about so many things. But today, I feel like the Lord wants us to focus on spiritual warfare, which is a really unique perspective to have at Christmas time because oftentimes we don't really talk about that part. But the thing is, friends, that from the moment Jesus was born, really before Jesus was born, from the moment of creation, there has been a war um, going on in the spiritual. And when Jesus was born, the answer to the prophecy given to Eve in the garden that from your seed will crush his head. The enemy has been searching to to wipe out what Jesus came to accomplish to do. And so it was no different when Jesus was born. And it's just interesting to me that at the same time, God released wisdom. Now, these wise men, most likely they weren't just three of them. And I hate to bust up your uh, misteachings here over the years, but most likely the wise men did not show up the same time as, as the shepherds did. Most likely it was about two years afterwards. It probably, they probably were actually, um, a lot of scholars believe, already in Nazareth when, when this happened, okay? And so they weren't there the same time. But most likely we don't realize that at the same time that wisdom, God released wisdom to, to wise men who were not even Jewish friends, they weren't even of the same uh, faith as the Messiah. But God released wisdom for them, people who, who were outside the faith, to seek after God, okay? That's wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So anytime we have a reference and a, and a desire to seek after God, that is true wisdom. And so God released this wisdom over the magi or the wise men. And at the same time, the devil released a spirit of foolishness right? It is the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Release a spirit of foolishness, murder, and rage within Herod and his soldiers. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting because we have to realize that the devil was not just trying to wipe out Jesus, but a generation. Because God protected Jesus and, and spoke to, to, to Joseph. And he escaped, and we're going to get into that. But, but there were other sacrifices made of babies to and under who were murdered. And, friends, we have to realize that anytime we see an attack like this on an entire generation, that God is about to do something. We can look back in Scripture. In the Old Testament, what other baby was born? And at that time, many other babies didn't make it, but he was spared. Can you think of one? Moses. Right? The Bible says that at that time, the, the, the people of Israel were growing too much. The Pharaoh, another king who was possessed by the enemy, was, was like, we got to wipe them out. And so all the boys were thrown into the Nile, baby boys. And Moses was spared because God used Moses to establish the law and to help uh, deliver the people of Israel so they could go and worship God in freedom. Correct? Well, we see this here again in the New Testament, again, a beginning of an establishment of the new covenant, right? We have the Old Testament, which is the what? The Old Covenant. And then we have the beginning of the establishment of the new covenant, the New Testament within Jesus who brought 
grace and truth and the only way to the Father is through him. And, of course, we see the enemy coming to wipe out a generation again. Hmm. I believe that we're living in, in such significant times that we are closer now than ever to the last days as the Bible describes. We are, we are entering into the last chapters of the last days, okay? And the same enemy who wanted to take out the generation that Jesus was born into, the generation that Moses is, is born into, wants to take out this younger generation. Since the 70s, we have seen an increase of an attack on uh, younger generations, from Roe versus Wade and the abortion that continues to go on in our country to mass shootings that just happened in Michigan not far away from us, friends. We see an attack of the devil to kill Young people, because what is his plan? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It's Jesus who comes to give life and that more abundantly. But we have to be so careful because I believe that there is a war on uh, our generation of young people and that all of us, no matter what age we are, we don't want to be like Hezekiah and say, well, but at least that doesn't happen in my lifetime. <laughs> Too bad for the younger ones. We don't want to be like that. We want to be like David and says, until I'm old and gray, I'm going to declare the praises of the Lord. And if we truly believe what the Bible says in, in um, Joshua, that, that we are really truly only one generation away from our faith being extinct, because the Bible says that after Joshua passed on and went with the Lord, there was a generation who rose up after him who did not know God, did not know his power. They did not fear God. And we have a generation in America that is, is, is coming um, to soon adulthood, some of them already adulthood, who do not know God, do not know the power of God, do not have an understanding of who God is, and that is on us. That is on us because we have to do something about it, but we want to be comfortable. We don't want to, to understand. We want to ignore spiritual warfare and pretend it's not out there. Especially in the Western church, especially in the American church. You go to other countries, they understand spiritual warfare. They understand that something's going on beyond what we can just see, right? But we want to be comfortable and just pretend like it's not around and we don't want to do anything about it. And we're losing our children. Generation Z is growing up in the information age and yet are the most biblically illiterate generation to ever exist in America. Growing up in the information age and yet still spiritually ignorant of the things of God. And friends, unfortunately, it's not just Generation Z. I see people of all generations in our country that have turned their backs on God and, and don't have an understanding. Although we have information, we don't really truly have knowledge. We don't have wisdom. We don't have, what it, we don't have the discernment to fight spiritual um, warfare. Uh, we see a generation that does not know the Bible, which is what? The sword of the spirit. We have a generation that, do not, that does not know the power of God that is, comes through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They don't understand about spiritual gifts, about the fruit of the spirit. They don't understand about right living and character and holiness. We've perverted uh, evil and said it's good. And then we have, we've, we've turned good into evil in our culture. And we're not speaking the truth enough. This is the thing, spiritual warfare is not something that only young people need to be aware of. It's something that we all 
need to be aware of. It's something that is going on around us. And I have never, in, in the 20 years, which is still novice compared to a lot of minister friends that I know, but in these 20 years experience, I've never, ever remember a time where so many people are going through it. Just one day this week, I had in one day, like four phone calls of serious things, of of, of, of crazy health issues going on, not just a couple of them were COVID related, some of them were other things related to marriage issues, to uh, wayward children, to financial issues, to all kinds of spiritual attacks from addiction, to all kinds of things that we have, we've got to step back and say, okay, what is going on, God? But instead we're like, oh, let's put on Netflix and forget anything's going on. I just don't want to think about it right now. And friends, we've, we've got to realize that in order for us to really shine the light of Jesus, because the star was born on Christmas Day and he lives in us, if we are born again believers, and for that light to shine, we have to sometimes engage in spiritual warfare. The Bible makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says this, that so we should not be outwitted. You remember I had you guys repeat? That, that Herod was mad because what? He was outwitted. Well, the Bible says we should not be outwitted by who? Satan. For we are not ignorant against his schemes. But so often we are ignorant against the schemes of the enemy. And so, friends, today I want uh, my, my encouragement and hope for you is that you will be able to add some tools to your tool, tool, tool belt so that you will outwit the enemy, just like the first family here, Joseph and Mary and, and, and baby Jesus, was able to outwit Herod, who the enemy had possessed at the time, okay? We need to learn how to outwit the enemy because he is coming after you. He is coming after your children. He is coming after your communities. He is coming after your job. He's coming after your finances. He's coming up after your health. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. But we have hope because a star was born. We have hope because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He was a lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. We have hope because it was prophesied that this seed will crush Satan's head. And friends, with us, through him, we can do the same thing. But here's some things we need to add to our tool belt, if you will, to outwit the enemy. These are lessons we can learn from this chapter that I read in Matthew 2. One, we must have discernment. Say discernment. Oh, friends, we have to have discernment in today's day and age. We have to have discernment. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 5, 5 through 17, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, remember, when I opened up this message, I said God, at the same time, God released a spirit of wisdom over the wise, the magi, which was most likely more than three. It was, it was, it was probably uh, hundreds, if not maybe thousands of, of people um, traveling together. As God released wisdom over them, he, the enemy, also released foolishness. There is always going to be a, an attack on you. Are you going to follow wisdom or are you going to follow foolishness? That's why the Bible says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Because the enemy, man, he wants to fool you. He wants to trick you. What is his greatest weapon? Lies. 
So if he can get you to believe his lies, he can get, he can get you to fall, fall into foolishness. And so therefore, we have to have discernment, okay? I want to break down the difference between wisdom and discernment. Just let me teach for just a second here, okay? Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. Discernment is very similar but a little bit different. It's the perception in the absence of judge, judgment with the view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. I love what Charles Spur, uh, Spurgeon breaks down when he talks about wisdom, and this is so good. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. Sounds interesting in our information age, right? There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And I believe applying wisdom is discernment. Okay, so discernment also uh, carries the definition here, the ability to judge people and things well. There's a difference between wisdom and, and um, discernment. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, and discernment is the ability to judge well and apply wisdom. Although they are different, you will find a wise person will most certainly be a discerning person. A person filled with wisdom is also considered to walk in discernment because the application of wisdom requires one to be able to judge things well, separate right from wrong, distinguish between good and bad. The Bible actually talks about also, I think everybody has a level of discernment. A lot of times you'll hear um, people say, oh, mothers or women have like intuition, right? I think God is given most human beings a level of discernment, but there is a deeper level, which is a spiritual gift that we find in Corinthians. And, and that is something that is so needed in the church today is, is to distinguish not just right and wrong, but good from evil and one false spirit from the Holy Spirit. We need that. We have people in the church that are scared out their minds to talk about the Holy Spirit, but yet we'll, we'll sit there and watch all kinds of horror movies and, and you know, Christians playing with the Ouija board, and, I mean, and, and, and got to look to their hor horoscope so they can find out what's going on with them, and, oh, I can't date this person because they don't match my sign. That's witchcraft. I need to find someone who, who loves the Lord and is spiritually healthy, and I need to be spiritually healthy because spiritually healthy people attract spiritually healthy people. That's what needs to attract, not this sign needs to be attracted by this sign. That's foolishness, friends. That's foolishness. We have got to, we have got to get understanding. In all of our getting, we need to get understanding. We need to apply wisdom and have discernment between what is right and what is wrong, between what is good and what is evil, between demonic and the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is moving. But guess what? Demonic forces are moving too. And the Bible says in the last days, wickedness will what? Increase. It will increase. And so we need discernment. Where are people with discernment at <laughs> in the house of God? We just let anything in and we're okay with it. We need discernment. If we want to, again, what is the enemy's number one weapon that he uses against us? It is lies. And so if we want to fight the enemy with spiritual weapons and we need to add some tools to our tool belt, we have to, got to get discernment. 
thank God the magi, which is also called the wise men, had discernment. God spoke to them in a dream. And they knew, and I believe in, even probably before, like, I just have a, I, they were full of wisdom. I have a feeling when Herod was talking, when, when they're like, Herod, you're the king. Do you know when the, you know, Messiah is going to be born? And, and Herod had a reputation too, by the way. He killed one of his wives, one of his brothers, and three of his sons. He had a reputation, okay? And, and so I believe that the wise man, when he was like, hmm, let me think about that real fast. You know, like, uh, didn't even know what the scripture says, which shows you he wasn't a true believer, right? And then he came back. I believe the wise man was like, hmm. They were probably like, hmm, you know what I'm saying? Like, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. But then the Lord spoke to him in a dream, and they had discernment to go another way. Friends, we have to have discernment. God is speaking to people in dreams now again, I believe, big time. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I just told Josh, crazy. I've had two um, major spiritual warfares happen um, in our family, like attacks against our family in the last couple months. One, Josh had a dream, and when he told me this dream, y'all, okay, I am passionate. I'm a little extra. Maybe figure that out. So when he told me this dream, right, I did cry when he told me the dream because I can cry when someone tells me a sad story. It's, it's not hard, okay? Tears get to flowing easily in, in, in me, and the older I get, the worse it is sometimes. I'm like, look, get back up there, right? <laughs> but I, I cried, and I knew that it meant something, but it was just so wild of a dream. We really didn't know much to do. We did pray. I don't think we prayed as much as we should have prayed when God showed him that dream. Then God, months later, some, something else was going on in our family. Gave me another dream. Gave me a dream this time. I happened to share it with my daughter. I didn't even share it with my husband. I was driving her to school, and I was telling her this dream. She was like, that's crazy, but I don't think anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it is crazy. I don't know. It just has me disturbed. I really didn't pray much about it. I did say a little prayer, but I didn't intercede. No lie. The very next day, almost exactly what happened in my dream happened. And I'm telling you, friends, when sometimes we have these dreams, we're like, what does that mean or whatever? Go before the Lord and pray for discernment because I believe God is speaking to his people again through dreams. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when the Holy Spirit pours out on people that what? Old men will dream dreams. I guess I'm getting there at 43 now. <laughs> and young men will have visions. God is speaking again to his people, but we have to have discernment. That when he speaks to us, what are we going to do with it? Right? What are we going to do when God speaks? Thank God that when he spoke to the wise men, they actually did what he told them to do. They had discernment. They were able to interpret that dream, and they were able to know what to do. And not only did the wise men know what to do, that Joseph also knew what to do when, when God spoke to him, when the angel spoke to him through a dream. Okay? So we need discernment. Saying all you're getting, get discernment. Get discernment. That's how we're going to fight the lies of the enemy. When he comes and he lies to us and he says, oh, it's okay to look at this because you deserve it. You had a hard week, but you know that thing is not something you should be looking at. Get discernment. Discern between, is that the lie of the devil or is that the truth of God? Okay, get discernment. Number two, if we want another tool that will help us outwit the enemy because he wants to come, kill, steal, and destroy us, we need to know when it's time to depart. We need to know, see, my inner south side want to say we need to know when it's time to dip, like dip out. But I was like, no, let me say depart. It's fancier. So we need to know when it's time to depart. 
or dip out. You know what I'm saying? Does anyone say that anymore? Oh, my gosh. I got the boomers and the zoomers telling me no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm stuck in the 90s. Forgive me. It's time to dip out. Okay. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Well, here it is. Here it is. It's time to depart. Listen, the angel friends basically told Joseph, get up in the middle of the night. It's time to flee. Run as fast as your feet can take you. Escape. Some translations actually say depart and go to Egypt. You know that God has given us the ability, our body responds to danger with fight, flight, or freeze. That is, that is a gift from the Lord. You realize that, right? That's a gift from the Lord. God has given us that in our body so that we know what to do. But oftentimes, our wires get a little confused and we don't have discernment. We don't know, should we fight? Should we, should we flee? Or, should, or, or do we need to just be still for a minute, just freeze for a minute? Sometimes we don't know what to do, especially when it's spiritual warfare. Because spiritual warfare, we can't see with our natural eye, correct? We can see the effects of it with our natural eye, but we can't see everything that's going on in the heavenlies. We don't see all the, the fight going on. And so because we can't see with our natural eyes, oftentimes our body does one of the wrong things. When we should be fighting, we're freezing. When we should be fleeing, we're fighting. We get it all crossed. Uh, our wires get crossed and we get all mixed up. Friends, during spiritual attacks, what I have seen a lot is that we freeze up and we don't know how to battle. When sometimes we fight without being properly equipped, or worse, we fight the wrong enemy. Right? Because what's Ephesians 6 say? It says, for our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so something happens in our country, and we see things, and we get so mad that all we want to do is talk about, well, this party believes this, and they're demonic, or this party believes this, and they're demonic, and we don't want to realize that it is a spiritual warfare. And with that same passion, we need to pray for things to change in the heavenlies, because when we do, things shift. Or sometimes we'll take it even more personal. We get so mad within our family, something's going wrong, and instead we want to blame our husband, it is their fault, or if you're a husband in this place, we want to blame our wife, it is their fault, and we're praying, praying those get them prayers, come on. That's one thing I taught my girls, those get them God, get them God, I ain't leaving you out, baby girl, get them God. We're praying all this stuff, get that person, change that person, he's wrong, and yet we are not fighting spiritually by praying, God, search my heart, check me, Lord, what can I do better, <laughs> right? Because they're not the enemy, I remember when Josh and I first got married, both being firstborn children, <laughs> both being, being uh, uh, very strong-willed. I'm sure I got some people in here who can understand that, right? Both being alphas in our own, in our own way. Um, we would fight. Oh, boy. We, over stupid stuff, too. You guys have heard these before. Windows up, windows down. <sighs> he, I, I still like it more toasty than he does. Um, and I still don't like the windows down because this hair, I did not wake up like this, okay? I cannot wear that T-shirt. I worked on this, and I don't want to mess it up with the window down, right? But, it's, but yet, I, I had to realize early on in our marriage that I had to fight not to fight because he wasn't my enemy. The devil is our enemy. 
and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy our marriage. He wants to destroy our future. He wants to, he wants to destroy our children, and we got to, to come together. And God gave, I can't remember who, God gave someone a vision and told Josh and I early on in the ministry that when we were fighting, that we fight back to back, and we have our swords out, and that's how we fight off the enemy. But the enemy wanted to turn us against each other, but we had to fight back to back so that we can get to our, to our better, that we can get the enemy. And that's what, friends, we've got to learn to fight the enemy and we got to learn that there are certain times that we have to flee from the enemy. Oh, but we got the victory, Pastor. If you have discernment and you know when it's time to dip out, when you know it's time to depart. <laughs> I ain't getting rid of it, okay? There's two types of sins particularly that I want to talk about. Two types that we absolutely have to flee from, okay? Two, say two types. One, sexual sin. I know we don't talk about this in church anymore. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But the world talks about it 24-7. All you got to do is be on Instagram reels or TikTok for five seconds and you're going to be, you're, you're going to see it, okay? But the Bible says, flee from sexual immorality. What's it say? Flee. Dip out from sexual It doesn't say Oh, fight it against it. You got this. You're strong enough. It doesn't say be still. Still, just freeze up and look at it. <laughs> You're going to lose if you do that, bro, sis. Come on. It says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commit are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Joseph in the Old Testament realized this, and he did nothing wrong. The woman Potiphar's wife lied on him, but yet he still cho chose to flee from her, leaving behind him his cloak. He still chose to run away, to leave. There are times, friends, that temptation and sin are so great. There are times that the attack of the enemy is so strong that if you don't leave, you will fall victim to the enemy. Do you know the Bible even says that, that uh, even the archangel uh, uh, Michael was it Michael or was it, yeah, Michael did not uh, uh, speak in such a way to the devil that he said, the Lord rebuke you. And sometimes, man, I see some of us, I'm not saying we should be afraid of the devil and we should live in fear. We got a lot of that going on in America and, and, and in the world right now. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that we need discernment and that we need to know that sometimes we got to get out of there and let the, the Lord fight our battles and we got to flee. Okay, because sometimes we think we ignorantly or foolishly think, oh, I got this. And instead, what we got is bondage in our life because we've opened the door to the devil thinking, oh, I got this. I'm okay. And it's got you all that a preach. I got to go out the frame. Sorry, those who are listening online, Uncle Bob needed a high five. That's right. Sometimes we think it got us or we got it, but it got us. And we need to get together. All those gettings. Come on. <laughs> Tis the season of giving, guys, not getting. Okay. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, <laughs> I got to make myself laugh sometimes because it's scary. When we look in the world and we see how deceived people are, we got people saying, oh, it's okay to shack up and, and live together. Matter of fact, you don't want to get married until you, you, until you um, 
uh, taste whatever that is first to see if it, you're compatible. That is a lie of the devil. Look at statistics, and, and if you actually see people who don't move in together and, uh, before um, and keep themselves pure before God and before each other and get married, they are more likely to stay together than those who tried or sampled out. This is not a car. You don't need to take it for a test drive. We're talking about another human being that is made in God's image, and we've got to start having respect again for one another. And it starts with us, friends. It starts with us. What kind of example are we setting for our younger people? Sometimes we don't even teach them this. I just told Jer Jeremy, I said, Jeremy, we got to teach just solely on this soon, and we got to break up, you know, the girls from the guys, and we got we to break this down in a, in a deep way. Not in the way that happened back in the 90s where they made you feel like um, purity only had to do with virginity because it's not, okay? Purity, the pure in heart will see God. The pure in heart will see God. You could sin sexually and repent and God can make you pure again okay just like you can sin by cussing someone else out and God can make you pure when you repent Jesus's blood is what makes us pure so we have to we have to understand purity doesn't equal virginity there's people who could be I actually have counseled somebody who technically was a virgin when they got married but was so addicted to pornography that it, it, it's had um a hard time in their marriage because of that friends we've got to have discernment and we've got to know when it's time, man, we can't even entertain certain things. I know somebody who is, is a seasoned saint, and they're very sensitive around cuss words. Now, Josh is not as sensitive around cuss words. He can hear cuss words, and he got saved. God miraculously delivered him. I can say and testify 20 years of marriage, not once has he ever cussed me out. And there's been times he should have. Let's be real. <laughs> No, you ain't getting no high five. You owe me dinner or something for that. I want to say a lot of times. I'm just saying sometimes, right? So saying all that, haters, saying all that. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad I drove separate. <laughs> Come on, y'all, it's the word. Bring it back together. Bring it back together. Saying all that for him, if he watches a movie with some cussing in it, it's not going to make him get up the next day and be like, <coughs> when someone drives crazy, right? If I, on the other hand, watch movies with a whole bunch of cussing in it, something might slip. You know what I'm saying? I got to guard myself like that. And I know a seasoned saint, they just cannot stand cuss words. And it's not because they're super religious. It's because I, they've never told me that, but from my discernment, it's because it might slip. If they listen to too much. Now, for me, there might, there might be something that I can see, you know, that, you know, seeing a man with a shirt off, if, if he's swimming, up, they ain't going to do nothing for me. It's just, I'm not wired that way. I'm all about the, not that my man's shirt. I mean, anyway, <laughs> his personality, it works. It works. <laughs> Y'all messing me up today. I have a point. I have a point. <laughs> okay. What I'm trying to say is. <laughs> is we have to know ourselves and we have to know the lies of the enemy right and we have to know where we're weak at so that we can be on guard because we live in a time where spiritual warfare is on the increase y'all okay and there's times that we have to depart we have to be like I can't even mess around with it and so for me because I'm try to be sensitive to those around me I might be watching a commercial or watch something that doesn't do anything to me I, it does, I don't care but I got three sons and I got a husband. 
who's a little more visually apt than I am. So I don't want even to have that in my house. Because it's not even just about me. It's about those around me. You know what? And they got a feisty mom. So all that crazy cussing on whatever they're watching, they need to turn that mess down or off. Because I don't want to slip. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to be aware of, of, of one another. And we have to know when it's time to leave and not even turn the TV off. Turn, get covenant eyes on your phone. Do what it takes. Or, or the bark thing or what, one of the other um, protections. Protect yourself. Because we can't mess around anymore with the stuff that's out there thinking we're going to be okay. I can't tell you how many young people I know, they, they, they really work on keeping themselves together and keeping themselves right. And they go off to college and they get bombarded with the enemy and they don't know how to engage in spiritual warfare. Sometimes we got to leave. That's how we engage. By fleeing. And so sexual sin, something we have to flee from. Sins from your mouth, I really believe that's something that we have to, to flee from. When, when uh, the angry outbursts, the, the curse words, the complaining, you do not need to show up to every fight you're invited to. <laughs> you know, the fight, flight, and um, freeze. Typically, my body wants to fight. I don't know. It's like my body's response. I could feel disrespected. I want to fight, especially if I feel disrespected. Dishonored, uh, disrespected. Say it again. I, I, I have to stop myself because I can't, every time one of these little Hester kids invite me to a fight, I can't show up for it. I can't show up for it. Because I can be like, I can take you out, right? But am I taking them out and proving my point? If I lose my witness doing it, what good is it? What fight did I really win when I told someone about themselves in such a way that you can't even tell I'm a Christian anymore? Oh, but I told him. Oh, it felt so good. And so you're up all night having to repent. I got to the point, finally, I was like, God, I love you, and I, and I love the intimacy we have after repenting, but I got to have this, like, before I make mistakes. Like, this, I can't keep making the same mistake over and over again. I'm a little boneheaded here, and sometimes it's taken me a little longer to learn things, but I'm like, Lord, help me shut my mouth before I have to apologize. I got so extreme with it, y'all. You guys heard this one before. I've told you. I prayed for years. God, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I'm about to sin with it. Years prayed that over myself. I'm telling you, every once in a while, something will still come on me. Especially, like, usually I'm, I'm a little better with myself, usually. Like, if someone I feel is disrespecting myself. But if I feel like you're disrespecting one of my kids and my husband, whoo, that's the one I have to, extra grace. Grace upon grace, Lord. Don't come for my man and my babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have to know ourselves, though, so that we know when it's time to leave. Thankfully, from Matthew chapter 2, we see that Joseph knew when it was time to depart. Thankfully, the wise men knew when it was time to leave. They could have stayed and said, oh, God is greater than Herod and his forces. This is a real king. That's a false king. He wasn't even put. He wasn't even the one who should have been king anyway. He was put in order through some kind of crazy way. He's not even the rightful king. But instead, they said, you know what? 
I'm not going to sit around and watch this fight go down. I'm going to obey the voice of God, and I'm going to flee. I'm going to depart from this place to get into a safe place. Friends, we got to do that. We got to do that. We've got to learn when it's time to depart a situation. Okay. Finally, this is the last point I want to make here. If we want to outwit, say outwit, the enemy, we must follow God's directions. See, God spoke to Joseph and gave him direction on how to flee and when to flee, but he also gave him direction on how and when to come home. You know that um, history shows, especially the Coptic church, which is the Christian church in Egypt, um, that the First, the first family here, if you will, Joseph and Mary and, and, and Jesus, infant Jesus, that they actually lived there for a, a couple years, and they were always on the move. They lived with different um, Jewish families, and they were always on the move because history shows that Herod was still sending spies out looking. And so they were always on the move. So Joseph had to be really in tune with God to know where to go, what direction to follow. Joseph did not return to Israel until Herod had died. The Jewish historian Josephus reported that Herod the Great died a painful, um, deliberating disease. A lot of scholars believe it was actually um, STDs that he died from and that he got so, so messed up with them that, you know, the Bible says that worms ate him. I mean, it was pretty nasty. He had breathing problems, convulsion problems, rotted body, and eaten by worms, right? Herod reigned, though, for 37 years, and he was corrupt, super corrupt. And so after he had passed away, the kingdom was divided, and it went to his three living sons that made it because he, he killed a few of them, right? And the one, uh, Herod and, and Antipas, I think I'm saying his name maybe somewhat right, he was one of the conspirators that actually was a part of the trial of the ex execution of Jesus. So if you hear, if you read the New Testament, you don't really do the history and, and research, you could think the same Herod that tried to kill Jesus as a baby was part of, uh, you know, uh, part of the conspiracy that tried to kill Jesus uh, as an adult and sent him to the cross. It wasn't the same man, but it was the same spirit. It was uh, the son, one of the sons of, of the uh, Herod, what they called Herod the Great. You know, even in, in his time, they called him Herod the Great. He kind of he spread that name for himself because he was so full of pride. And, yes, he was, a, he was an accomplished politician and businessman and helped even rebuild uh, the synagogue and, and did all kinds of, you know, or the temple, did all kinds of different things. And, but he was corrupt. He was jealous. And he, he was, he was uh, full of envy. He was full of murder. I mean, the man was full of hate. Okay, and so we have to be careful just because somebody accomplishes a lot of what we deem to be success in our culture does not mean that they are a righteous person. And it's better, it's better to be righteous and not have everything else that you think that, that you know, supposedly is going to make you happy following the American dream. It's better to be righteous with contentment. Godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain. But oftentimes, man, we want to admire people because they, they, they can build something. But building something is never something that, that God says, okay, let's admire them for. He, wants, he looks at the heart, not, not all the things that we do. And so we have to be careful. Um, to, uh, Joseph had to be so careful that he, he was a little bit cautious, if you will, of going back to um, Israel right away. Because he, he knew this was not his son, right? God had to speak to him that way. He knew 
that was not from his seed, that, that this was the, the, the 100% man, 100% God. He knew this was the son of God, something hard for us to grasp and understand. And yet he knew he had a responsibility to see Jesus grow up to be able to do what God has called him to do. And so he had to have direction. And he waited until Herod the Great was dead. And then instead of going back to Bethlehem, he followed the direction of God and went to Nazareth, where the Bible says, what good comes from Nazareth, right? He knew they weren't going to be looking there. <laughs> he had to follow the direction of the Lord. And can I tell you this, friends? We have to follow the direction of the Lord, too. But you realize following the direction of the Lord means obedience. Okay? Well, oftentimes we might know, but we don't apply it. We don't put it to our life. We might know the right thing to do, but we're not doing the right thing that we know to do because we're not following in obedience. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I want to say this. If you don't know what to do, open your Bible. I'm constantly, like, encouraging my kids, like, open your Bible. Open your, you know, there was an old saying, like, back in the day, Bible, it means basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> you need direction? Open the word of God. Jesus, we don't see that much of his childhood written out in the Bible. We don't know what he did when he was three and four and five years old. We don't know if he went to preschool, if he went on the bus. We don't, we don't really know everything, if he was in Head Start. We don't know when, how hard it was to potty train him. We don't know all this stuff. We don't know if he had, you know, how his teenage years were, if he broke up with some acne. We don't know, you know, everything. We, we, we only see a few things. In the Bible, we see at 12 years old, they, they went to, um, to a festival in, in uh, Jerusalem, and Jesus, they, they, they lost Jesus, which makes me feel much better as a, as a mom, that <laughs> I only thought I lost a child one time when they were a baby, when someone came to the house, and it was justice, and I did not know where justice was because he was a baby, and someone came to the house, and I was doing dishes, and then I came back, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my baby's gone. I called my husband up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone just stole our child. I mean, kids go on the black market. I mean, I went all the way, Vicki Thomas, worst case scenario, all the way. Love you, Mom. I mean, I'm like, we need to call the Amber Alert now, right? I mean, like, everything. Josh is on his way home. I'm like, what is going on? Arch, I'm getting ready to call 911. I got the phone out to call 911. And I hear something. It was Christmas time. I hear like a little dingle, like a little dingle by my tree. I'm like, what the heck? Justice was down. He could not even crawl. He rolled underneath the Christmas tree and was like, dingle, 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 dingle with the... I was like, what in the world? My baby is not stolen. Forgive me, Lord. I was like ready to go. Like, seriously, it was, it was. So I feel better. I feel better that even Mary, right, the purest woman of all times, you know, hey, she didn't know her. She didn't have life 360 on Jesus. It was like three days. She was like, oh, snap. Where is Jesus? <laughs> See, now I'll just get on my phone like, seriously, Shua, you slept in? Dude, like, I know where he's at because I just get on my phone and look at Life360. He, he, he hates that. And as soon as he moves out of my house, I'm deleting that. Y'all never know where I'm. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all on. I'm getting, like, off track here. Okay, let me get back on. I probably, let me get back on. You know what? This is the thing. <laughs> I think that God is, is allowing me to be even more extra than I normally am. Because this word is so serious, and sometimes a little bit of humor makes the medicine go down, right? So 
We don't know much about what, what Jesus did growing up, but we do know that the Bible says in Luke chapter two, 52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and the favor with God and man. Now, this is a word I need you to lean in for a minute. When I was reading that and I was praying about direction and I was thinking, okay, direction and how to raise our children, direction and how we live, direction and how do we really be Christians in the time and season that we live. And I was praying God and I, this verse came to my mind here about how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with man and with God, right? The scripture says this in Luke 2. It says, actually, it says first, though, he grew in favor with God and man. And I thought, we live in a generation, and not just young people, come on, all of us, we live in a generation that we want all the favor, all the likes, all the thumbs ups, all the comments, all the views, all the you're doing okay on social media, and ever we are living in a favor that we need a lot of um, accolades, we need a lot of affirmation with man, but we are not getting our place before the Lord where we are getting those same favor with God. We have grown as influencers in our generation with people, with, with man, but we have not grown in our influence with the Lord like we should. And I think it's because we got it twisted. We're focusing on our favor with people instead of our favor with God. And I'm telling you, as, as, a, as a recovering man pleaser myself, <laughs> It is not easy. It's not easy to, to not want everybody to like you and to do something that you might know might make someone feel uncomfortable, but it's what God wants you to do. That not everyone's going to be happy with every decision that you make. But if you know this is the direction the Lord is calling you to go in, whether you get thumbs up by all the people that should be on your side or not, you still have to follow the direction of the Lord. And friends, I want to close with this prayer. If you're fighting spiritual warfare and you want to follow the direction of the Lord, friends, we've got to apply obedience to our, our life. Philippians 2, 12 through 15 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Where is that at anymore? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose, to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a what? A warped and cricket generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. A star was born, but friends, he died on the cross for our sin. On the third day, Jesus rose again. Then before he ascended to heaven, he breathed the Holy Spirit on his disciples. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You now have the Holy Spirit and Jesus living in you. You also should be shining like stars in the sky, especially how much more do stars shine in a dark and crooked generation? You should look so different than the culture around you. And it's okay. It's okay. God wants to use that. If you want to outwit the enemy, if you want to apply these tools, the spiritual warfare to your life, then you need discernment. You need discernment. You need to know right from wrong. Not only do you need discernment, you need to know when it's time to depart, when it's time to flee. 
and you need direction. If you do these things, you will start to see the victory in your life. You will start to see victory over some of these spiritual attacks in your life. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? there's people who are going through some things that need some extra prayer right now. You're going through your own battle, your own spiritual warfare, and I'm up here to pray too. We want to pray over you. If you've been enduring some spiritual warfare in your life and you know you need to add some tools to your belt, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. I want to pray. Father God, I just thank you for moving on the hearts of these women and men today. God, they have been going through some things that they can't fight on their own. They need your strength. They need these tools to be added to their belt. They need to understand spiritual warfare. And God, they need breakthrough. God, I pray you would equip them. You would, you would fill them, Lord God. That you would help them in Jesus' name. If, you're, if you believe that this word is for you today, would you just come right up here? We want to take a moment to pray for you. I end it right on time.